Nerds International proudly presents Fat Fuck Barrel Boy coming in. What? No, no, it's my new name, man. It's oh, my right. new name. I've changed it. I've changed it legally from Harrison Hunt to Fat Fuck Barrel Boy. I think it's about time, to be honest. I was <laughs> I mean, expecting that. Because I'm putting on the weight, you know. been putting on the weight, been wearing a barrel instead of normal clothes. <laughs> That's a joke nobody's going to get. Anyway, this is the 3T RPG podcast. My name is Harrison Hunt, and with me I have James Clark. Hi. But this is an RPG show all about tabletop RPGs. Today we got loads of good segments for you. We got feedback side. We got what you've been slaying, where we talk about what we've been playing, and we got the main subject, which this time is going to be family games. So this is the type of games that you can play with the kids involved, with with, with the family when you got them around, that type of stuff. Grandparents, aunties, uncles. And I know before we've often, you know, we've said we're going to do that, and then we've just done like some sort of disgusting sex game instead. But uh, this time is going to be different. We promise this time we're actually doing family games. Yeah. Then we got a new segment, Celebrity RPG Karaoke. <laughs> and then we got uh, Electro Letters. So now we're going to get on to the feedback side. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch, the feedback side. It's the feedback section. Yeah, we take your comments and read them out. Yeah, feedback, bitch. So first up, we got one from Todd Chanbury, and he says, Hi, 3Ts. I signed the podcast up for Morris's recent podcast poll, but forgot to vote. Any idea what, what that is? Um, there was... I can't exactly remember, but Nick pointed it out at one point a while ago, saying that there was like a voting competition going on about yeah, favourite podcast. Somebody signed us up for the Ennies. I remember that. <laughs> we didn't get anywhere near the top. <laughs> Who did that? Okay. I don't know if that's what this is. I don't know what the, if that's that's the thing, but yeah, we got signed up for the Ennies, and it was like, uh, I don't know if that was you, Todd, or Mis- is, this, is that what been this some, is? Someone misguided. Someone misguided. Like, yeah, we don't deserve an any. Trust me. Trust me. You know. But um, if it, whatever that is, thanks for signing us up to it. Uh, yeah, cheers. And he said, "P.S. I like the rebranding, but the new name is suboptimal." Um, Good. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> Sid Andrews comes in as well, and. They say, I don't know if it's a boy or a girl, I'm so disappointed in the name change. I'm curious if the name change was run past the Patreon supporters. As individuals with a vested financial interest in this endeavour, I feel we should have been notified. Was there a vote? Was there a proper screening process? We, the shareholders, want to know. Well, sorry about that. Yeah, no, there wasn't. We discussed it amongst ourselves and didn't really... Only Listen, only because most of our listeners uh, don't have a brain cell between them. We did... That that's why we didn't discuss it with you guys. I'm and, so sorry. And we did also, um, you know, say that our Patreon supporters, you know, we don't really have goals or stuff to aim towards. Um, we'd like to believe. Maybe we're living in a fantasy world because of the nature of the beast and the games we play. But we like to believe that the patrons donate to us for the show and the show alone rather than... You yeah, know. and there's nothing that we do on on the Patreon that's held behind a paywall. This is simply to donate if you like the show. That's really all it is, um, because we don't want to ever lock anything behind a paywall, and we didn't want people to be involved 
um, you know, just like certain people to be involved in a name change and certain people to not. So the only way that we decided on it was that nobody was involved except for us. That was basically <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, which is maybe a wrong way to go about it. You're probably right. But ultimately, we did discuss the reasons for doing it in the last podcast. And that was essentially that... Uh, we wanted this podcast to be more shareable. The actual content realistically isn't going to change. It's still going to be as gross as ever. It's still going to be as silly as ever. It's still going to be as sweary as ever. It's just a different name. That's all it is. We're still twats. Literally just easily or more able to share. And yeah, and hopefully that's the last time we'll ever discuss it. (laughs) Just stop it. And that thing I said about you guys having no brain cells, that's not true. You've got at least three. Oh, three. 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 Yeah, three. Yeah, and as you guys may know, we recently wrapped up our Ravenlord campaign, which is uh, Ravenloft in DCC, and that finished. And we got a lot of feedback for this. Let me let me tell you that. Um, Joshua Michael Erickson, I love the voices. As a DM, I always appreciate when people go uh, people when people the effort to get into character. <laughs> Owen Lean, Ravenlord finale was a work of art, mate. Yorkers Rex. He says, best Strahd ever. Daniel J. Bishop says, holy effing God, that was fantastic. A fantastic podcast, which I really enjoyed listening to. Tim White, so brutal. Sam Riviera, dudes, that was so good. My brother and I just finished listening. Thanks for being rad. And then we got one final one from Superfuse9000. This was great. Thanks so much. Hope to hear more from Grimwald and the Butler. And uh, yeah, so lots of really awesome feedback for that. The only reason I, I read that out, it seems really bloody um, uh, sort of self-blowjobbing. Is that yeah. a good way to put it? Self-gratifying. Self-blowjobbing. To uh, read out so much <laughs> feedback that's really nice about that that particular one. But I, I just want to say that a lot of people came out in support of that podcast and were saying how great it was. So I think if you haven't listened to, to it yet, go and give it a try because you might think it's wicked. Alright, so that's it for feedback. So next up we're gonna get on to what you what we've been playing in what you've been slaying. Oh yes. Yeah. What you slaying. So as we just spoke about, we've we just wrapped up Raven Ravenloft campaign, which was I, I guess you can't really call it a campaign considering there's only six six eh, episodes it's nah. a short campaign mini yeah. campaign adventure yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, yeah this is your first ever taste of Ravenloft as a setting um, and to just to go very briefly into what, what Ravenloft is all about essentially it's like all of these different domains where it's something evil has happened and then those domains get sucked into this uh, other realm and then they become part of this bigger, bigger realm, essentially. So, like, let's say, for example, in, in the D&D land, some big, big evil guys doing evil stuff in this in this town. Well, then that town be- can become so enveloped by evil that it then gets sucked into, into the realm of Ravenloft, which is a completely different dimension altogether. That's essentially what Ravenloft is. It's most famous because, obviously, everyone knows Strahd von Zarevich, who's this big evil vampire from a place called Barovia, and Barovia is like the the one of the main places, and he's the most evil dark lord there is, which is what each of the biggest evil rulers in in Ravenloft are called. And yeah, then each one is its own kind of little area within Ravenloft, and it each has its own lord or dark lord, and there's a hierarchy to all of them. And that's essentially what Ravenloft is. It's a fantasy setting for D and D originally, and uh, yeah, I really really enjoyed running you guys through this. It was fun as shit. I thought it was epic. 
Yeah, it was it, really good. Um, it was really good to sort of um, have a taste of uh, Ravenloft, etc. Because it's so, I think, mentally demanding. Because it's there's so much that can go wrong, and it uh, can affect your character in such brutal ways that you know if you're if you're not used to it, it, it it's really uh, it's a whole like another new level on on something creepy and horror. Yeah, and I also feel like because it's it's very um, sort of gothic inspired. The way that I tried to run that that campaign was kind of do it as a monster the a monster of the week type thing. Like obviously there wasn't a monster every time, but it was kind of like each one was its own separate horror story kind of thing. And um, it ended up being really um, kind of demanding because you had to try and get involved as a player in this a new story every month when we played and it was like every every single one I was trying to sort of ramp up how brutal how intense it was or how involving and things like this and you started off simply like in the first one where it was like this sort of nameless faceless villain almost called the bog lord who was just this <laughs> basically a, an abomination that you just went and killed it was essentially just a monster right yeah had a backstory but it was a monster then the second one, it was like two people in a hut that that um, were cannibals, right? And they're one step up from a monster because they had a face and a voice. And then the third one is like is is like a dungeon crawl, but you're going to save a woman. And it was like every time there was a bit more story, a bit more humanism to each thing that you were going going along with. And like I was trying to ramp it up each time, and it was like it was a really good progression. I felt. Yeah, that's what I was trying to do, and I, I I think that it was hard trying to do Ravenloft as a Monster of the Week type thing because I feel like that's maybe not necessarily how it's supposed to be played. I don't I don't really know. I mean, I felt like that was inspired by gothic horror because they're often short tales, and like that was kind of what I was going for. But personally, I think it really really works, and and playing it in DCC adds another level of hardness. Obviously, like, AD&D was difficult, but DCC, because of the swinginess of the game, like, in that in DCC, you can die so easily, even at later levels. Yeah. Um, because even at later levels, you could still... If, if you get to 8th eighth, eighth level, which is, like, ridiculously high level in DCC, like, that nobody we've never, gets... Yeah, we've never got there. And you got to 7th in this campaign? Yeah, we were, we were just on the cusp, but, I mean... Even at, um, in DCC, level five is is pretty outstanding because that's the level you ran at uh, Colin the Cobb in America, mm. and that was awesome. There was like so much for the players. Level five in DCC is just about the power level of like level one in in fifth edition D D D. <laughs> that's madness. Yeah, and like the funny thing is about in um in the the Ravenloft thing is that is that like when you add in the the added extra of having like the uh fear horror and madness checks which honestly I if you listen back to the actual play I forgot to do nearly <laughs> as much as I was supposed to like you did in the in the first couple I did it did. all the time but yeah but and then, then towards the end I was like yeah we're just playing DCC now like yeah. I, I literally forgot to do it and then, I think it's it's such a hard thing well because of how we did it right in I think in a long campaign obviously it's a lot easier to maintain and stuff but because of how we did it and it was essentially like you know it was, it was a radio drama we were doing it for the the audience we were we were trying to make it interesting without we we're just playing through it but in a, in a much more calculated uh, way to make it uh, flow better and and sort of thing so it was really difficult to keep on top of that kind of thing because at the table you can be like oh wait a second um we forgot to do this or something but obviously yes. when you're playing through 
like speaking you can't do something yeah. that is like in in an actual play uh, uh, at least if you're doing it for entertainment purposes and not just recording it you know you can't do something that is is boring or at least yeah. if if you do that's getting that's getting either cut or cut down to its bare minimum yeah and if we sort I mean, of mentioned it it would be like right well now we you know we couldn't rewind what we just did because yeah, we I mean, kind of we play it out, and then it just happens. It has to go on and continue. Because I'm very open about the fact that that I, I edit these, you know, and I, I edit out the boring bits. I mean, there was a very very funny part that I edited out because it took nearly half an hour of you buying uh, Daniel the talking skull on a stick that was one of their <laughs> ca- traveling companions throughout this whole campaign. There was a very funny part in episode three where they were buying him a hat. And it took, oh, yeah. it took like half an hour <laughs> of them negotiating uh, uh, to buy a hat. And it was like, yeah. But like Grimald, one of the main characters played by Nick, was like, yeah, but can I get a plume for the hat? Uh, I need I need, I need to see a good plume. How much for the, for the plume? And, and <laughs> what are we talking? We're talking top hat. We're talking bowler. We're talking bowler. And it was like this This conversation went on for ages. And like, it's, it's, it's funny, but it's going. It's got to go, mate. Because yeah. this is so boring. It's like you probably spent less time in certain uh, key aspects of the dungeon. Like the, the final boss fight it took less time than it did to buy a hat. <laughs> there was a meaningless item. Literally the first thing that happened to you when you got in the dungeon is that he swung Daniel like... Because Daniel was also his weapon. He swung him and the hat came yeah. off. He ended up being the weapon, didn't he? Yeah, and so it was just, it was a very crazy campaign and, and ultimately, like, um, I felt like it was a very, very good taste of, of Ravenloft and there's, it also has um, some very good... I, I tried to encapsulate the themes of, like, you know, that the whole thing, the, the really, really cheesy thing of, you know, uh, either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain type of thing yeah. of Ravenloft. But not not in a ham-fisted way. I felt like you guys just did that anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, no, we, we did. Because obviously, to those that listened, obviously there's some uh, big choices we made. Some that go went against our original sort of moral code mm. and stuff like that. So it was like, we weren't necessarily... We did none of it was on purpose. None of it were were influenced by a player. It was like because we were all just we were just trying to play it exactly as our characters would. Yeah, and there was one. There was only one episode where where you know I got accused of railroading, and that was yeah. on the Shadow Rift one. And there it's was just because it, it went really to fuck town on that. Didn't well, it? The, the the whole choice was that that in order to leave, they had to kill this innocent woman. That was basically what it is. In order to leave one area, they had to kill an innocent woman. We well, say then, innocent in air quotes. Innocent. Yeah, in some way innocent. She she had basically cavorted with a demon. That was her crime. And the point is, is that um, I. The reason that that was there was because that was the difficult choice. It was it was in order to continue, you have to well, go against your morals. Of, yeah, that kind of thing happens in Ravenloft, doesn't it? Yeah, so. exactly. And that that was my thinking. It's like, yeah, this is this is literally um, it is in a way a railroad because there there's no easy choice to make here because I was just like, okay, either give up your morals or. What, or, or you you don't move on, you know, and or or you have to spend an inordinate amount of time finding another way out of here. That's what you got to do. And I thought, well, depending on what they do here, the next episode is going to be very different because either you kill her, and then you have something happen to you, or you can um or, or you can try and find another way, and you're going to be stuck here trying to find a way out, you know, in the next episode. And that's what I thought was was going to be cool, but in the end, you just killed her by pushing her off a castle. <laughs> But yeah, and, and the funny thing is, is that I can reveal to you now, one of the very, very interesting things about Ravenloft is, as I mentioned before, 
all of the um all of the Dark Lords and the people that own the different domains in Ravenloft. So when their towns originally got brought to Ravenloft and their areas got brought to Ravenloft in this new realm, right? Um, the people that do it and the people that control the mists are these people called Dark, um, the Dark Powers, right? So they are even above all of the Dark Lords in, in, in Ravenloft, right? Which is really, really cool. That's awesome. And they're called the Dark Powers. So every time you do something knowingly evil in Ravenloft the dark powers are always watching over you and like changing you into something else, giving you more power essentially to do evil, I guess, kind like of in a way. Corruption, isn't it? Yeah, corruption. So even if you don't have the original Ravenloft books, you can just use the corruption from DCC and do that. Although those are only really bad. But the, yeah. the cool thing is about the ones in Ravenloft is as an example, it gives you like things like fish-like skin tentacles, but realistically the corruption that you get um, should mirror the bad things you've done. So, for example, if you um, keep on stealing, right, well, maybe you should turn, I don't know, part shadow so that you're better at doing it. But people will stop being able to communicate with you or something like that, you know. Mm. Or if you keep on eating people, well, then you might get really sharp teeth or whatever. Whatever evil thing you do, the thing you turn into will reflect what you you are. Um, And that, that is why it's pretty cool. So when you push that woman off the tower, you've got tentacle arms. (laughs) <laughs> not that those would make you better at pushing but I, I hadn't really thought it through honestly but it, it was just like, they were the instruments used to perform the heinous act yeah exactly so they turned dodgy yeah um, but that's enough about that because people have said that we should be quicker about the what you've been saying and we've just uh, done all of that so sorry about that um, but um, <laughs> Ravenloft is an incredible setting um, uh, uh, the one I would I would highly highly recommend is the Domains of Dread book because um, there is a meta plot to all of Ravenloft, and Domains of Dread, for for my money, is the best, most complete um, one to read. Um, a lot of people tell you get the red box or get the new one for D and D Five E. Don't they're they're good, but they're not as good as Domains of Dread. Next up, uh, I just wanted to talk quickly about Lion and Dragon, the ghost of Jack Cade on London Bridge. It's a very very good adventure for a uh, very good role playing game by the RPG pundit. Another guy that has a lot of controversy in the uh, industry. Um, who uh, you know we won't speak about that. But point is, Lion and Dragon is a game set in medieval England with uh, with authentic medieval um, kind of type gameplay. Right, meaning that it's deadly. Meaning that there are certain ways that you have to play meaning that uh, family and your stock in society is very very important and we i got i got an adventure for um, the dark albion setting that goes with the lion and dragon role playing game called the ghost of jack cade on london bridge and this was fucking awesome so it was great it was really fun and the the whole point of it is is it mainly takes place around london bridge and there's this guy there's a mage from oxford who has got a um, he's he's basically got this like crystal that can allow him to project himself a couple of feet like away from where he's standing. It's like not the best magic item on the planet, but he gets robbed on his way to London, and the guy that's doing it um, he then uses it to to profit from that, and he's scaring people on London Bridge. Starts this whole cult around around the ghost, and he's pretending to be Jack Cade, a man who was executed some years before, who's a real historical figure, and that's essentially it. And all of the party have to then investigate, and there's this whole big web of lies around it. He has two different personalities. He's the, the guy that's nicked the crystal is both pretending to be a wizard, and has also got another personality where he's just a regular guy about the town, 
Then there's these other guards that he's hired as part of the cult that believe that Jack Cade has really come back. And then there's this um, um, other bloke that he rents a house from, but he also rents a house on the other side of town. And like this whole investigation is like, as you get deeper and deeper into it, it's just huge. I like the fact that <clears throat> when we play through it, it's like, because it's there's a lot of, um, well, everything in it is kind of as as real and true as they could possibly make it in the setting wise but I like the fact that it was a proper proper investigation kind of thing it was cool because although it was a very different London to the one we know nowadays we we know it a little bit and certain parts of London now are kind of similar to how they were all the way back then yeah and so it was really fun playing an adventure set in London too because we know it and it yeah that was quite refreshing especially london bridge because we've we've been there like so many times and it's just like oh cool we're playing on london bridge (laughs) yay (laughs) Uh, yeah it was cool although london bridge really is quite different to how it was back then you know when it says in the in the book it's like you stand on london bridge it's two meters wide and we're like what (laughs) ain't like that now (laughs) exactly yeah it was it was really cool and um yeah really great adventure so check out the ghost of jack Cade on london bridge i won't spoil how it ends actually i kind of have yeah you know the end of the mystery now but you you know who did it and stuff but just forget that we don't know the names and all of that but yeah check it out and get that um get that adventure because it's very very good anyway we're going to move on to the main subject now and uh yeah we're going to talk about some family games main subject magic main Subject, Tokyo. Main. Subject. All right, look. We lied again. We. Uh, but with today, we're going to be talking about some sexual supplements. Try saying that three times fast. Sexual, sexual supplements. supplements. Sexual. But the thing is, right, the thing is, these sexual supplements for RPGs, they're always there. They're in the bushes waiting for us to review them so you don't have to read them yourself, right? And they vary wildly in terms of quality, maturity, usefulness, and tastefulness. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to use these qualifiers to determine whether or not three of these racy products are worth your time and compare them against each other. <laughs> oh, yes. I will say, like, the way I'm talking about it now... The, the first one that we got on this list, though, it ain't sexy, really, even in the slightest. Well, the name does not imply that it's sexy at all. No, no, no. Really doesn't. And there you go, James. Take a look at that. First oh. up, yeah, I have the highly, highly controversial She Bleeds by Elizabeth Chipratical. And I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, uh, but... Nonetheless, this is a supplement for uh, Lamentations of the Flame Princess. And this book, James, is is very famous for being the book that offers period magic. Uh, yeah, I can see why. Yeah, <laughs> because of the cover. The cover uh, is a pair of legs with uh, blood trickling down them. Now, enough said. Every, everyone knows knows all about this, right? Because because of the controversy surrounding it, and this probably actually did the company some good, right? Because. What happened was, is that, uh, I, I I don't know the, the whole story, which I should have read into it, because obviously that was my job for this podcast, right? <laughs> but think about what it is, that, that a distributor, I believe in America, was holding some of these uh, books um, to sell them. They obviously just bought a bunch of them and were going to sell them on, right? Then, um, then a bunch of them got burnt in the warehouse, because somebody that, that, that saw this went, oh my god, that is an affront to God, blah, 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 and burnt them. Oh, yes. Over the this. coming weeks, um, the, uh, loads more information came out about um, why they were burnt, who burnt them, whatever. It turns out the warehouse had already paid James Raggy for these books, who's the Lamentations dude. 
Um, so they'd already got their money. And the, the, kind of their excuse that, or the guy in the warehouse's excuse was, well, you know, they're ours to do what we want with them. And it's like, yeah, you, you're, still, you're still a book burner, man. And second of all, uh, they uh, another thing they said, well, we only burnt 36 copies. And it's like, it's still quite a lot, actually. Man. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, there is some... Thing that I, there is something I wanted to say before we kind of go on because this book, I think it's it's hard to say whether or not it went just for shock value. You know what I mean? Because um, to, for two reasons. First of all, it's written by a woman, right? And that that I think is something because I don't know there there is some value in that. And second of all, there is like historical basis for menstrual blood magic, which is kind of a gross thing to say it's a weird thing to hear it is pretty horrible <laughs> and so i'm sorry listeners but strap in all right strap the fuck in because we, we're going on this crazy ride together i read this and you're going to suffer like i did <laughs> so ancient egyptian priests and that used to prepare potions using this stuff you you drink one of those james no <laughs> for what if it had healing properties man? yes yeah there you go right good <laughs> good <laughs> Yeah, without reading into it, yeah. And in a Nordic religion, right, there's a story where Thor bathes in the downstairs blood of a goddess and gains immense power and eternal life. That that sounds good, though. I mean, not not the bathing, but the the what happens afterwards. Citation needed. I I actually, because the thing is is that I I found found this on a website about about magic, right? And, you know, it looked like a proper yahoo geo cities type website <laughs> said like spinning Tripod. spinning like skull gifts like all of this shit the on curves there. have changed so color what, and shape what i did is i tried to look it up like on a further website where where and and like wikipedia and this stuff and i found it on the like you know that google books like that type of thing where you can oh, yeah, read yeah. like old oh yeah it, it gives you tons and tons of uh publications of what and, you're trying to look for yeah and, and i was reading it and um it it does say that he was in a river of that stuff but as to when he got the power, it must have been like several pages later because, I don't know. So I don't know if that's definitely true, but it's possible. Yeah, um, if anyone anyway, does know, let us know. Yeah, the Mayan civilization also identified new moons using menstrual cycles and stuff like this. So they, they sort of felt like women were powerful because they obviously could tell times of the month and stuff using it. So in a sense, there is some basis for it being magical, right? So there's also sects of witchcraft that use it for healing spells and such like. So they, it's not just like something they pulled randomly out of their ass. That's that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. Anyway, not out of their ass, but anyway, right, moving on. <laughs> the reason I say all of this is because before even opening the book, I want us to understand it isn't just something completely random. But does the book treat it with maturity? And most of all, is it actually any good? Let's find out. So the book starts out with an intro, which I'm going to read because many parts of the book are written in this like really odd, cryptic, like Dark Souls-esque style, and it's it's really bloody weird. Anyway, have a listen to this. Welcome, stranger. I'm glad it's you. There's nothing you can do now except or perish glorious life or vanglorious death. It is in your hands to decide, and decide you must. Do not wade slowly into the blood. Seize the power that has been gifted to you. She doesn't like weak women. Within this book, you will find everything you need to survive your first blood, and every blood thereafter. You are only an initiate, and there is much you must learn. But after the first cycle, you are blooded, and then you will finally understand her message. And this book will be of little use to you. Keep it, cherish it, for my voice is now a guide to you, as it will be for many others. Find other souls to take the blood, so she may seep into this world. 
Well. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know, like really, really cryptic. So, so like the she it's referring to, you won't really know who that is properly until the end. Some magic entity, and the book seems to be written from the perspective of somebody that's going through this whole ritual with you. Essentially, the whole book is one massive ritual that takes place over 30 days, one cycle of the moon. Over these days, if you're a bloke, your dingle dongle drops off. You get lady parts, and by the third phase of the moon, the first quarter, you have a, have a period, right? That's the way it works. And Jeez, like obviously I'm uncomfortable speaking about this. On every phase of the moon, you get a new ability. That's how this works in this book, right? That's not how it works in real life, just in case anyone's confused. <laughs> and you only get it just for that phase of the moon. So if you're using oh, this in your game, right? Short-lived. Yeah, exactly. Then mm-hmm. it's gone, right? Then it's, after that, it's just gone. Each each of these is an opportunity to prove yourself to her, this mysterious entity. And then, as the book puts it, you're graced with carrying her throughout the world. So the first one is full moon. Now the writing here, right? This is where it gets really uncomfortable. Like really F-U-T-D-U-P, right? I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> right. I don't know if this is because it takes itself really seriously or because it's just gross, but the way it's written is like really grim. It's like properly grim. Grim. Right, so I'll give, I'll give some more examples later. But anyway, the first phase, right, is that you have to take saliva... The saliva of a young woman or an old one, either by force or by kissing them, then oh. fapping under the stars. What? Obviously, the way it puts it in the book is like way more flowery than that. Like, and it's like yeah, obviously you're ri- giving it a short brush. Yeah, because I don't want to over and done with. I don't want to say. I don't want to say it like it does in the book because it's like really uncomfortable. Oh, I know what it is. It's like a, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like then, well, no, I'm not even going to say it. But anyway, like like taking someone's saliva by force. That sounds a bit fuck. No, well, that's pretty. It's, that's it's, so rapey. It's fuck. It is rapey. It is rapey. It's by force, right? I mean, you could do it in an. I don't know. It's, I mean, no, no, you could do it while they sleep, like mm. a hose. You know when you siphon petrol out of a car, <laughs> and they're just they're just lying there, and you're like, <laughs> and you're oh. like <laughs> <laughs> you can use one of the uh, baby snot drainers on them. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Uh, anyway, if you choose to go for the smooching option, right, your saliva will then have healing properties until the next full moon. And get this, this is where it gets fucked, James. Go on. And to actually utilise this power, you have to eat the dead flesh around the wound and then lick the wound. Fucking hell. Mate, this... um. It's fucked up. Okay, so I know this is a Lamentations product, right? This is, but you know what we were saying before about Lamentations, how it's like they do, they do like the horror, right? And they do fucked up, like body horror. But this is in really, classy way. This is just really fucked up. They isn't really it? dumped it all in the fucking bin with this one. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. So there's some rules of how to do this. You basically have to save versus paralyzation or it doesn't work and you just feel like an immense pain instead. If you go the other route and take the saliva using the siphoning uh, with a big hose, right? Then your saliva is poisonous until the next full moon, and a licking and licking a weapon will make it poisonous. So you can just lick a weapon, and that actually actually is okay, quite, that, that's right. that sounds better. See, that's all right. I don't mind that. I mean, but then to get that power, the thing you have to do is really gross. So either way, it's fucked up. So that's the first phase slash spell in the book, and there's one from later, and it's pretty horrific, right? So number five, new moon, right? I read part of it, right? Bury a body beneath wet soil and see how her avatar crawls from your paws and into this world. It will help you. It pulls from the ground and licks blood from your... And then it uses the C word. Oh. Yeah. 
So you bury your body, then it just it comes out of your pores. So it comes right? out of you. And then, and then it licks your... Self. It licks your downstairs area, the blood specifically. I mean, that is fucking horrible, isn't it? That's pretty nasty. That is, this is like, <laughs> but this is like sub-fatal level of disgusting. Yeah. Because a lot of people, right, I don't mean to be, I mean, call me Mr. Call me Mister Picky, right? But um, a lot of people were saying about this book, right? that it was just shock value. Then a lot of women who are fans of Lamentation, um, they were saying like, yeah, but it's just because you're men and you don't understand periods. And I'm like, I don't think this has much to do with that. I mean, come I mean, on. if it was all replaced with a dick I'm, and the same thing was happening, it, it still grows yeah, us out. Yeah, you know what, right? It, you're absolutely right. If, 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 right, if, we let's say this is all, if this is all wang magic, right? Or if it was, you know, to do with the other stuff that comes out of the men's because it doesn't, yeah, 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 exactly. If it was bury a body, then a big demon comes out your balls and 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 eats the jism. Yeah, right? that would be fucking horrible. Yeah. Equally horrible. <laughs> we and and you know what? Like, I don't think this is anything to do with whether or not whether or not it's a lady or a man. No, this is this is horrible. It's not. It's not nothing to do with sex. It's it's like yeah, it's, it's just brutal. <laughs> But yeah, you know what? Like, so so please, by all means, call me a se- an internet sexy. I mean, sexist. But the thing about it is, is that I just think this is foul, right? It, but uh, maybe I'm just a poo rude, prude, a poo rude. Maybe I'm a poo rude, right? Now you can choose to reject the avatars help. You know the one that just came out of and you did the th- yeah yeah and did the bad. And so or, now you can say, please stop. Yeah, or you can let it be a companion until the next cycle. Why, why would you? Why, why would you? Oh, but this is probably why. No, there is actually a reason for it, and we'll get into that later on. Yeah, but are that... you meant to know this? Is this the reason you're meant to know? No, 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 there is a reason. There is a good reason, um... right? And your character would know. Honestly, you would know, and I'll remind me of this later. But if you choose to let it help, you'll have one of four random abilities. For example, when a creature dies in the avatar's presence... Its tendrils slither towards the corpse, sink into the first available hole, and drink its blood. The creature then reanimates under the avatar's control. All right, that sounds uh, all right. It's just you hope. Yeah, it's... but the first available hole. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, most people would walk around clothed. Most people, right? Unless you're a maniac, so it's probably going to be nose. Yeah. So first, or, first, or ear, unless unless they're wearing a plague mask or ear, right? Yeah, it's probably going to be nose or ear, so we're all right there. We're all right. Thank God. Another example. That, oh, God, I've just remembered this one. The, another example. Oh, I don't know if I can read this. The Avatar's vaginal blood is corrosive poison. What's wrong with you, Elizabeth? What happened to you, man? What? Let's have a talk, man. Come on the podcast. What, what happened to you? All right? Uh, I just hope you're all right. <laughs> I mean, I mean... I'm- Liz... I understand the people saying shock value because nothing, I'm sorry, but nothing about this at the minute is striking me as that's put in a really eloquent, interesting, mild-mannered way. <laughs> but even like, uh, I mean, it's not even, to me, this ain't even like usable. I couldn't sit down with any sane, rational person and use the only this that game and that look like and, and look like somebody that you'd want to ever play with again. Yeah, yeah. The only people you could like really play this with is Byron Hall. <laughs> he he loved this man. He, he, he loved, Maybe up. they're mates. Maybe that's his pseudonym, and he did it. Let us know, Elizabeth. Did you? Are you mates of? Are you well, Byron? Old Byron Hizzle. Wait. <laughs> on on one of the phases, right? 
on one of the phases, James. You have to taste your own menstrual blood. I mean, we've all been there. We've all been there. Yeah. I've done it. I've had my own. This is complete with the graphic illustration. Then what on the second last phase, right? You just have to drink a load of blood. And now this does it. You can get this from anywhere, right? You can get it from anywhere, from a bar, um, from a, a general store. And dance around like a nutter um, to mend your mind after all the torment you've just been through. So it does acknowledge that all the stuff you're doing and, uh, and all of that it's is horrible. Up. Right. So it, it basically says in the book <laughs> that all of this stuff has been horrific up to this point. That it's, it's, it's disgusting and that your mind is, is going to be absolute mush by the end of this. And now just, you know, have a pint of blood uh, on me and uh, dance around. <laughs> Have a good time, you know, because you need it. You need it after all that. So wait what? a second. Is this is this sort of book designed to be the guide for the character and they're meant to have read it before they go through it? No, the GM is supposed to, to, to um, sort of... Drip feed it. Drip feed it on them. So, so oh. throughout the 30 days in-game, you're going through the ritual and you might be contacted, like, in your brain and it'll be like, do this for me and I'll give you immense power. And, yeah. then, and then by the end of the 30 days, what will happen is... Something. Um, Something. So, so like you. Sorry, I feel like this is. Um, uh, if if someone was ever to introduce this into a campaign and do exactly that and drip feed it to the to the player and the character doing this, I feel like unless they've got issues or a fucked up or a Byron Hall, they won't get far throughout the uh, cycles and all that. They won't no, get far. No, because you'd you'd resist. You'd you be like, well, that's gross. I'm stopping. In all honesty, the her that this all refers to, the one that's trying to drip feed all this stuff and give them powers, seems like an, a villain. Yeah. Uh, and like that, that's exactly what it is. But yeah, so you summoned all these demons, drank some stuff that is quite clearly not for drinking, nicked some saliva, and what does happen at the end? Well, on the final cycle, you make a choice. And this cycle is supposedly all about you, right? You're the one who's been through all of this. You know what she is capable of now. And she loosens her grip on you, on your life for a, for a bit, right? So now you choose. Do you accept her and become a member of the Blooded? That's what it calls it. Or do you choose to reject? And <laughs> if you choose to reject, the book says you may as well kill yourself. Oh, that's right. what it says, man. Thanks for the choice. Yeah. So, who is she? Well... That's what it says at the end, right? So it says she is a formless being and she wants or needs nothing except for experiences. She's essentially just a big formless thing in space or whatever. And she can only experience things through the experiences of her followers. So there's a thing about her knowing only blood, wanting only blood, and this blood, and blood that, and blood, blood, blood. And essentially this is all a way to necessitate the blood magic. So she's just a big blood, blood loving, blood, blood. So well, I'm just. Uh, I think I found a, a, a trick she's missing. Go on. Right. So it's all her followers, and she lives through their experiences. Mm-hmm. So when they are blooded, they are followers. Yeah, pretty much. So that means she's focusing on the new bloods, as opposed to the long bloods, because I'm sure what? the rest of the other followers who are now proper followers and are blooded, they could. They don't have to go through this ritual again. Which is the same thing. No, yeah. I get that. But then I think that she needs to get them to do all of this to initiate newbies. And she wants more experiences. So it's like the more people, the better. Man, she's fucked up. Yeah, pretty much. Um, But she gets people to do all manner of this insane stuff in exchange for power. And in addition, she only picks on those who are damaged in some way or insane or nuts. All right. Right, so that's Makes why, a bit more sense. Yeah, that's why it kind of makes sense earlier that, that, that like, you, as you were saying about about that thing, it's like, 
<laughs> it's mental, isn't it? It's insane. It's <laughs> it's the fucking weirdest thing I own. And like, literally, uh, the, the thing about this is right is that when I was writing it, I kind of um, write writing it. I didn't write this. I want to point that out. Writing the review for this is what I mean. <laughs> I I always have the book sat next to me on on the t- on the table. My wife always comes in. She's gotten used to me like reviewing all sorts of weird shit with tits on the cover and all of this stuff. And I had this sat next to me, and Millie came in, took one look at it, and then just put it back on the shelf. She was like, "You're not, you're not reading that for a bit." And I was just like, "I oh, know, it's just making me depressed." <laughs> but like, funny thing is, is that um, but like, listeners, make up your mind. What, what do you think about this? Because. Uh, if if I am being a fucking idiot and it is my male perspective making me uh, judge this harshly, please tell me. But I I really don't think that's the case. Second of all, uh, there's something I want to read from the back of the book because I think this is important to note, right? Because I just thought, uh, are, are you nuts, Liz Elizabeth? Um, but she says this at the end. Uh, when I was asked to create this supplement for Gen Con, I knew this was the direction I wanted to take this piece menstruation of course no monthly event in my life has made me feel more weak at times more powerful there's something integrally beautiful about menstruation and something frighteningly brutal much like being a woman much like playing lamentations writing a piece about periods is tricky this isn't a supplement with a universal experience for every woman every period is different every woman is different and not all women have a period instead i decided to focus the concept on to do something otherworldly but real. To translate the monthly monster in a horrifyingly and hopefully seductive way to add some fun to your game. She bleeds should leave you empowered, pained, seduced, confused. Wait. Because gaming should be fun. Women, men, and everyone other should embrace the dark, dirty little parts of themselves and tease some joy out of things that disgust and Wait, tempt what? us. So have fun with her, because she'll be having fun with you. Lots of love and blood, Liz. Um, there was a lot of words about seduction. <laughs> okay, uh, no, to be fair, there, there are some phases in there that do involve seduction. But you know what? Like, they were so unsexy, James. No, that's what I'm saying. Nothing about it sounds sexy. Um, do you think... Um, so there's a bit like... There's a bit... So there's this one here, right? Oh, no, I can't even read that, man. Do you think she misunderstood the concept of a period drama? <laughs> that's good that's zing well <laughs> no you know what like that's the only bit I disagree with about it so I do understand like how she's tried to make something like to be quite as horrific as the thing she has to experience every month I do I do get that yeah. aspect of it and I do get as a piece of art maybe how she's done that right that bit, that bit at the end did make me recontextualise the whole thing go hmm yeah, this this experience of reading through that does make me quite understand. Yeah, you know when, what I mean. When because they say the whole th- whole whole way through, I was like, <laughs> but then but then with then, the word art, yeah, it's like oh, but as a usable RPG supplement, oh, no, no, as and a, also as a, yeah, work of art, it has a lot of merit to be honest. Eh? But then uh, also the fact that she talks about seduction, <laughs> there is none of that in there. <laughs> no, I couldn't have been more limp. I mean, because there are some phases, right? That like, like for example, the first one where you have to nick somebody's saliva and fap under the moon. That is not, no. Oh, yeah. There's nothing sexy about that. Absolutely at all. not. There are two things that that that, that um, turn me on less, right? And then a the th- saliva theft is one of them, right? And b the moon. 
I know there are those people that identify as planets, right, on DeviantArt and that, but I ain't one of them, all right? So, what do you think, James? Uh, I think it's really great. <laughs> I think it's really great. I detect sarcasm. I think it's really great. Never should buy one. But anyway, that is She Bleeds, everyone. That fuck barrel boy! Speaking of fuck... A big, fat, fucking fat guy in a barrel. What could be better? Next up, we got something very tasteful, James. Very tasteful indeed. All right? We got GURPS sex. Oh, mate. <laughs> you know how, like, the GURPS modules, right? And they're just, like... So you get, like... A, you don't really get settings for GURPS. You sometimes do, like, GURPS Discworld or whatever. But they're more toolkits in GURPS. And you get things like GURPS Mecha, GURPS Fantasy. Yeah. And so some very, very um, wonderful individuals took it on themselves to make GURPS <laughs> sex. And my God, man, it's a good name. What is it? We we usually have a rule about only having published materials on this podcast, and and uh, this is the one time I broke this rule because this is a fascinating product. It's it's spectacular, um, Lee Bad. And the thing is about it is that this is a self-published book, James, and it was made by five people. Wait, five, five, five people, and the the, the level is sub-fatal quality, man. This is like it's so bad. So I just want to say a big shout out to Paul Beakley, Tim and Christine Morgan, Tim and Christine Morgan, Celie Davies and M.A. Lloyd. Five people, five people worked on this and what they came up with is remarkably shit. The first paragraph in the book reads, I'm currently looking for more material to build this book. This is the first unfinished version and I'm leaving it up to you, the players, to finish this by sending me material that I can add. Maybe a new sex college. And there isn't even one sex college in the book. So the way... This is immediately such a cop-out. <laughs> exactly. Sex gadgets and their uses. There are, there are none in there already. Uh, tech level, cost, sex drugs and hentai sex battles. Oh, hentai sex battles, yes. Yes, please. What is that? Um, not sure, okay. honestly, not sure. Actually, you've seen Urotsuki Doji, Legend of the Overfiend, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember in that bit where, well, actually, we were putting our, laying our cards on the table here that we've both watched a hentai. No, 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 but it was for a different podcast. Shut up. Yeah. I didn't watch it, it for was, the it was sake for... of pleasurable enjoyment. I watched it to join in with the podcast. Shut yes, up. Yes, it was for a different unsuccessful podcast that I was part of once. But there, you remember the bit in that where that giant demon, his cock turns massive and destroys a, hosp <laughs> destroys a hospital? Yeah. I reckon like that. Oh, that's funny. Anyway, I mean, but if yeah. that's what you're after, I ain't none of it in this book because they were so damn lazy, man. They didn't even finish it. Five people didn't even finish the damn book. And they, they then they asked other people to finish it for them. But anyway, next to it, some obviously stolen, badly cropped artwork of a woman having it off with a demon and it carries on with the following sentence. Any ideas on the next format? Original you've drawn that could be used here? Corrections. Opinions. <laughs> what the fuck? Hey, Look, he's just asked after some original you've drawn. That's all original he Original you've drawn. I can, so if anyone has some uh, any original you've drawn, send it to those five people. Um, so GURPS is a point-by system. When creating your character, you can take disadvantages to gain back more points or use points to buy advantages, gear, that type of thing. Most normal characters start with 125 points, if I recall correctly, is that right? Or is it 110? I can't remember. Oh, it's been so long. It's I been a while, remember. man. Anyway, the book starts off with a big section of new skills, disadvantages, and advantages. And they're split up into G-rated, which means like for everyone, right? So that's mm -hmm. like you in England. Um, so PG-rated, R-rated, and X-rated. And that's basically what the whole book is. If you couldn't tell from the opening part, it gave up quite quick with this one. 
So first, let's look at the advantages. An example of a G-rated advantage, which means general audience, as I said, that's all ages, right? Bear that in mind throughout the whole of this. It might be uh, appearance. That's a G-rated advantage, right? And you could buy this for 5, 15, or 25 points. The more you spend, the more attractive you are. And as the book says, looking good is essential to proper romance, right? So you uggos, right, get the fuck out, right? You, you ain't got a chance. <laughs> Then, we have another G-rated one. This is just for anyone, any audience, all ages, G-rated. High pain threshold. That's 10 points to buy, right? And obviously, this is for all ages. So, the um, the description here is useful in anal sex. Oh, yeah, great. Or if the character what has the, the kink masochist. All ages, man. All that's ages, yes. Yeah, all fuck. ages. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> anyway, look, we all know this. I couldn't but- even proofread it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's cool, man. We all know the book is going to be offensive at some point, right? And immediately, they do the right thing and get out of the way on page two. (laughs) So there's an there's an advantage called frigid, and it's available to women only. Uh, I think I heard of this. Yeah, (laughs) it's bad in it, man. (sighs) Let me get into the X-rated ones. Mm. I can't wait. We got big dick. We got tight ass. We got long tongue, naughty tentacles, and mouth like a vacuum cleaner. Thing about it is though, is that when I when I read the mouth like a vacuum cleaner one, it's just be really like long and wide and and square, and yeah. you just go. Ooh. Excuse me, could you please could you please speak with more diction? <laughs> and and they put that down as an advantage. How is that an advantage? You can't get through life doing anything. Just you like, could eat nothing but like a letter, and yeah. even then it wouldn't get through the the, the hole. Exactly. Be good for mm, rice cereal. Yeah, that's about it. Hoovering up food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a disadvantage. So anyway, that's some of the advantages, quote unquote. What about the disadvantages? PG ones include sterile, barren, intolerances of a certain gender, obsession with a certain person. So being a stalker is a, G- a-, a PG one. What? Yeah, the R-rated ones include bisexual. Bisexual is a disadvantage. How? Can you be- Surely that's an advantage. That's a good thing, man. Because then you, get, you have more... Best of the- both worlds. Yeah. And then gets on to um, another disadvantage. You ain't going to believe this. Homosexuality. Oh, yeah, because that's disadvantageous. In fairness, what the book does say is that in some societies it might be. For example, a medieval, yeah, medieval one. Yeah, right. but the, the, yeah, of course, of course, it's going to disadvantage you from, you know, like uh, people, other people's like, views, but as an actual person... It's but then you, you never know, like, in, in some planets, on a space game or a, a futuristic one, it might be an advantage, it might be cool. Yeah, it might be the thing. So it's dumb. It's a really dumb way of putting it. Really stupid. Anyway, the X-rated advantage, uh, disadvantages are, as you'd expect, right? we got impotent, right? You have difficulty reaching or maintaining a state of necessary arousal to have sex. We've got poorly endowed, minus five points. The character has either a small penis or small breasts, as appropriate to gender. Um... Then we got uninhibited, a true headness. The character will do anything at least once. So you'll even uh, try cut it off. Cut. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> fair enough. Try you it do once. that. Try it once. You even might even use she bleeds in an RPG, for example. Once. Just once, though. Never again. Now the skills. Now these are really odd, right? So this is just a big list of skills. So you got so G-rated. You got kissing. This is fantastic, because the description is amazing, right? This is the ability to kiss well. 
I never would have thought that. You don't, you don't, you, you, I, I can't even, this is writing at its finest, man. So it includes kissing a lady's hand and being able to determine what sort of kiss is appropriate in a situation. So you've got to roll for it, man. So it's like, it'd be really funny because like, you, what happened is, right, you go to kiss your mum goodnight, right? Oh no! And then, uh-oh, you roll badly, you start Frenching. Oh no, that's horrible. That is a disgusting thought. Yeah, but Sorry, that's everyone. what can happen. That's, that's what can happen in this. A critical success on this skill may cause a lady to swoon. No. <laughs> what about this, James? This is amazing, right? Cr- kissing in combat. <laughs> a character, what? a character may, a character wishing to kiss his or her opponent, like Bugs Bunny or Sautra in Willow, or Arnold's character in Red Sonia, may enter close combat and treat the kiss as a grapple. If the grapple is successful, a quick contest of the kisser's kissing skill versus the victim's IQ is required. When you're kissing someone and you call them a victim, you know you're in trouble. Fuck me. The victim is then stunned for a number of seconds <laughs> equal to the amount by which the contest was failed. Should the victim win the contest, there is no effect. So that victim. so essentially, you start be- beginning to be able to shake people, stun them, right, by going around the battlefield just like... Face raping them. Yeah, oh, it's amazing, man. And it's good. It's a really useful skill. So you can go around stunning people, and then the other guy's just like, bam, shooting them. Pew, pew. Man, it's good. It's a good ability. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, the actual usefulness of this in combat is going to lead to some very disgusting situations. Of course, it is. Very horrible situations. One PG skill that caught my eye was undressing. This is the ability to get out of your clothes smoothly and gracefully. It is also the ability to remove other people's clothes. So yeah, like, you've got to roll for that shit, man. Otherwise you're tripping over your jeans. End of story. But now we've come to the X-rated and R-rated parts, right? There's yes. foreplay, lovemaking, yes. intercourse, <laughs> yes. yes, and fucking. So you've got four different skills Wait, for, bo- for boning down. Yeah. And they're all the, well, they sound they're all the same thing, really. Oh, no, it depends on how you do it, man. But depending on how it all goes, right? You need you need all of these just for one night at good times. It's it's pretty crazy, but like yeah. So there's four new skills, right? So unless you're playing a campaign just about boning, you're screwed because you're gonna have to take all of these skills. You got foreplay, you got undressing, you got lovemaking, foreplay. I already said that intercourse, <laughs> fucking. You have got all of these ones, right? You're gonna need all of them just to even. Get in the door, basically. That's madness. Right, and and then and you got kissing as well. I mean, you can use that in combat, thankfully, and maybe take that instead of shooting or something, but or <laughs> pistols or whatever. But point is that yeah, you're screwed. And there is, of course, a, oh. a pimping skill too. It's just called pimp, and the description is thus: there is this is the skill of recruiting, managing, and protecting. Get this: a stable of prostitutes. Wow, a stable. stable. Just keep them, man. Keep them in there near the mm. hay. So, following that, there's a big old table for prostitution jobs, porn star jobs, their pay roles to make for the sex workers to see if they get infections or if they get pregnant, and the rules for doing the dirty deed. We've got all of this stuff, these skills, advantages, disadvantages, but how do we use them? Essentially, the book is it lists a bunch of maneuvers, such as bumming, and then gives some mechanics. It's awful to read, and I can't, and also won't. One thing to note, however, is that it lists each activity in terms of difficulty, like a normal GURPS book. And it lists fisting as average. What? Um, what the fuck? That's one of the harder ones. These fivest people list done the fist, and uh, they're all loose. Yeah. I mean, I don't I hesitate to use the word bucket. 
and I won't, and, and I will not. I refuse. This has got to be the most disgusting podcast we've ever done, man. Average. Stop listening now. No, in fact, do continue because we need it. But fisting is average. That's nah. That's not. Nah. That's nah. That's nah, man. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Average. Sorry, I can't get over that. No, anyway, that was uh, the thing is, GURPS Sex is a disaster from the cover to the very back page. It is an it is an awful, awful book written by uh, people that are so so immature. It's 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 awful. <laughs> And and like the, the thing is, it's like even down to the rules, it's bad. It's bad, overcomplicated, and a mess. They didn't think it through. They didn't proofread it. You know, they've got all their things all twisted because it's like, oh, this is for all ages. Anal. What? No. <laughs> what? No. Yeah, exactly. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's man. very bad. Don't ever write anything ever again. Any of you people that are involved with that. That was terrible. Terrible. Piss off. Yes. Where's the dagger? It's right here. It's right here. It's right here. Give me the dagger. Thank you. What you got for me, man? I've got uh, I've got a bit about the uh, Encyclopedia Arcane, Nymphology, Blue Magic. My wife's just got in the shower. I hope nobody can hear that. But anyway, so yeah, this one's quite a famous one actually because this was a published book for AD&D. It's by the Wizards of the Coast, and it's designed for... Actually, it says, designed to be inserted seamlessly into any fantasy-based D20 game system. These sourcebooks enhance and expand all arcane spellcasting classes, adding a whole new dimension to campaigns. That inserted seamlessly, is not. Uh, that's got to be intentional, right? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, right? Going over these, these two books that we had here, we had a really big shock factor from a really great system. Um, and then, obviously, at the end, we thought, well, if it was applied to potentially being a piece of art then it has some merit but it is fucking disgusting the Gertz one was a shambles I feel like I've uh, I've been let off easily on this one right because this I actually some of it actually made me chuckle and I enjoyed it I think a lot of it is written very well and it's actually written very very maturely I mean it's got warnings out the wazoo right at the front of it it's got this massive warning on it so you know it doesn't it doesn't spoil or anything or trick you and it simply says warning suggested for mature readers only this humorous encyclopedia arcane book has content of a sexual nature and if you're easily offended by such material we recommend that you walk away now and go buy something else so they are very explicit in the fact that it's designed oh yeah and the warning's like huge yeah it's, it's... like it covers off the, the whole midsection of it there's nothing special about the cover other than really that warning Mm. And then, um, so it goes into certain bits. It's got some introduction points. And again, uh, like saying about how they've done it in a mature fashion. It even has another bit um, which I highlighted uh, that says, if it needs pointing out, this is humorous in content and intent. While the spells, rules and prestige classes presented herein should all be usable in your campaigns, everything is presented primarily for laughs, many a true word spoken in jest. I like so, that because because a lot of times like you you get these things and it's like it's like are they you, fucking serious? You can't tell if they were joking or just completely childish. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And it's like because we, we've we reviewed a number of these. Like you remember that when, when there was one we did about that that um, book beneath before. Yep. And it's like this guy tried to take his sexy product one hundred percent seriously. Then he had a guy shooting frogs out of a mirror like a machine gun. Yeah. And it's like what is wrong with you, man? Yeah, so I like that. I like that they're being upfront with the fact that it's a joke product. There's many points where it's saying about uh, certain types of uh, the blue magic and the blue magi and the people that are using it and about certain aspects of how they're doing it, saying, um, 
you know, uh, this form of magic is usually down to those that are more immature and stuff. And it actually points out how, you know, like certain things like, oh, getting a big dick and stuff like that. You know, it's actually written in that that's for the immature magic users. So the, so this book is like kind of a bunch of spells for blue wizards. They've, they're, there's a lot in it, right? They've not only got um, a bunch of new spells, but they've got a lot of um, spells for the uh, different ways to use currently existing spells i'll go i'll get onto some of them later but i did actually think this is a uh, written written very well and some of it yeah it was pretty funny but a lot of it was really um really intelligently done i think um so right at the beginning it's got obviously all overview and everything that's going on um it says about uh the erotica arcane that it's a hidden and ill-regarded form of the arcane it says um you know, everyone's a bit of a voyeur uh, somewhere upon them. You know, everyone likes a cheap, cheeky look. And, and one bit that I really uh, giggled at uh, in the first couple of pages, it says, at some point, an enterprising merchant is going to make a fortune on, non- on non-fogging, wipe-clean crystal balls. <laughs> what? Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're, they're watching it, like, breathing heavily over <laughs> yeah, it. Because <laughs> they're all voyeurs. They're just like... <laughs> See what I mean about it? It's like... Up. That's like that's comedy, but it's written in such an interesting. It seems to good me like way. it's like somebody that understands yeah. the medium. It remind it reminds me of like um, the silly moments that you'd have in a campaign. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, I really think I've had the most joyous time um, in, in. So these is this like so essentially? It's like just a big old supplement about about magic for. It's a supplement. It's got magic in it. It's got. Um, uh, it has got. The Plane of Lust. Uh, it's got new erotic magic spells and novel uses for existing magic. Um, it's got uh, a city involved in it in this Plane of Lust. And it's got, um, uh, what are they called? It's got uh, different classes that you can use. New classes that are... So give me some of the uh, new classes. What are we talking about? So they have actually... Uh, right, so they've got an Agony Mage. Oof. Yeah. Mystic Pimp. Yes. Seduction mages. All right. And a peeping scryer. Of course. Right. I can go into these now if you want. I don't know. Yeah, mind. yeah, let's do it, man. Right, so an agony mage, right? So these, these, are, these are known as sort of um, the, per, uh, the, the perversions of the power. All right, and uh, at the beginning of that section, they say the risk is there. Is, the risk is always there for a blue mage that they will get caught up in their own pleasure. Their own magic becoming even more insular and self-centered than the controversial magi they criticize so much. For this reason, most of the particularly successful blue magi are those who use their magic to assist and serve others. This keeps them grounded and in reality. This keeps them grounded and in reality and means they meet a lot of everyday folk rather than spending all their time in bed with a succubus and two nymph or scrying the bath chambers of the local nunnery. So it's even that in itself is very sort of mature. It's saying like they're not all fuck ups. Some of them can help people. I kind of get it as well. It's it kind of makes sense that at least somebody in the D and D universe would be doing something like that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? What about a mystic pimp though? Because it's it, it, I don't want that anyone would ever play that and take it seriously. What's the sort? What's their deal? So mystical pimp, right? Uh, or sorry, mystic pimp. Obviously, they're like a professional escort agency. Um, it says that they can become famous without ever being spoken about because they often have to deal with 
interlopers and like either annoyed creatures that they've misused for sexual purposes. And then it has a brilliant um, extract that I put in. My doc says here, <laughs> imagine a mystic pimp. And I like the way this is, this is done. It says, pussy, 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 all summoned pussy must go. At the house of nymph, we're cutting pussy in half. This is a pussy blowout. Make <laughs> oh us an offer. Our vast selection of pussy. We got nip pussy, dryad pussy, mermaid pussy, succubus pussy, Arius pussy, elf pussy, triton pussy, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and if we don't have it, we can summon it. So all that stuff about maturity just suddenly went out the window. So this is like this. So this is what would be written on like the brothel. Yeah. Of the they, they, they were all, or they were all like um, small sections of slogans. I think you can use, but that's kind of what they are. They're mystic pimps. They're not your everyday whorehouser. So what they do is they summon all these different beasts from like all over the realm. Yeah, just and for like, like so you go in there, you see like a minotaur in like a sexy bra. Yeah, and they can summon elf, them. Dryad just like pop. Oh yeah, and the thing is, they can they can um, the reason uh, they can make a name for themselves um, is because yeah they can yeah because you know you know about all the, of your pleasures yeah and you know about the brothel but you don't know about them I guess because mm-hmm. that's that's really, that's really quite creative Isn't it? it's nuts man oh, so you've got God. seduction mages yeah right so these apparently are the closest thing to an organised set of blue magi. Mm. Right, because what they do is they find what they want and get it, and then enhance it with magic. They don't get lost in the lustful void of the perversions. They ooze sex. They suffuse the very air with it. Every gesture, every bat of the eyelid, every wave, and every smile gives so off bit like, waves of sensuality. A bit like bayonetta, I guess. Yeah, you know, but like I get without that sort of battle part, they're they're kind of like well, they do have sexy like, witches, yeah, pretty much succubus type, and they're abs- yeah, exactly that. So they just they use their skills to just absolutely seduce whoever. So they're, they're, they're almost like the magical face character, I guess. You yeah, know? yeah, that's kind of cool. Then obviously the peeping squire, you know, they're the ones that turn into themselves. They're amongst the most powerful squires in the world if they could ever be persuaded away from their crystal balls. <laughs> Right. Oh my god! It's like that's so funny. They're, they're using they're only using it for bad. Yeah. It's like it's like, and they are and they are ripe with blackmailing. It says uh, peeping scryers are a menace, but few will ever know that they are scryed upon. Watched throughout the hours by creepy little mages, every aspect of their lives faithfully noted and recorded, and every mole in their buttocks mapped out with the diligence and care of an astrologer mapping the stars. That's fucking incredible. So you might go into one of their bloody, um, like, wizard towers, right? And you go up there and you'd be like, oh, these star maps, they're incredible. And you're like, no, that's the nun's bum. <laughs> that's, a, that's a drawing of a tit. <laughs> Don't look at that. That's, that's my other bum. That's private. That's my book from my alone time. Anyway, shut up. I'm looking into with this. Go, go. <laughs> I love it, man. I See, think these these are hilarious. They, I, 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 they, they have, have done it very, very well. I think that the, um, maturity necessarily isn't the, the, the right word, but I think that it's very... It shows a really it's eloquent, good, I think. Yeah, and a good understanding of the genre. It's because yeah, it, show, it shows, but they, they do actually have a good understanding of uh, like there's the all the bits that I think I've extracted are purely sort of humorous, and they are, but they are funny because it shows it shows that they understand the way that the magic works. It shows that they understand uh, it like like different types of magic users and all of this, and I think it's really clever and and funny in, in that sort of subversive Pratchett type way. Not that Pratchett would ever do something with a. Uh, uh, an 18 rating like this but do you know what I mean like but yeah. if he did it sort of seems like that type of thing you know and and like I, I do think they did the um, the scrying 
Peeping Scryer, though, that would probably need to be reserved for an NPC class. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because the fact of the matter is, if you're the type of character that's like, no, nah, I ain't leaving. I ain't leaving. I've got, I've got too much wanking to do. And you'd be like, well, all right, oh, see you later. Yeah, We're see off for an adventure. Or you'd just have to keep him in the back of the wagon, just chuck yeah. this crystal ball in there. And he'd be like, ah! Right, lock it. Lock it. Quick, lock him <laughs> in. We're going. But yeah. Um, so are there any examples of the new spells? Oh, yeah, there's tons, actually. Um... So what I'll do is I'll there's you know they've got novel uses for existing magic and of the existing magic that exists uh, they've got conjuration divination enhancement evocation illusion necromancy of course and transmutation so it's like you know the enhance uh, the enchantment oh uh, so is this for um D and D three point five then uh well it just says D and D to be honest in, in it it's done by Wizards of the Coast it's, I think it might be let me have a look it's uh, the yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, and, and this is uh, this is one of them. So um, with enchantment, yeah, I think it's quite interesting because it can, you know, they say how it can it how it's used for sort of mental domination of another person or creature. So although it can be used in in a sexual way, which this is suggesting, it hasn't necessarily just completely said it. It's just saying like you can use the mental domination and then apply it to a sexual act. So it's, it's quite smart in that respect. But here's another point, like uh, the evocation. You can use a gust of wind to show knickers or to send uh, perverse messages. But it does state that that kind of magic is very childish. Like it says it in, in that book. It's already, you know, it's still throughout the entire thing. Yeah, it points yeah, out where if, things are, are, are lame and, and immature kind of thing. Yeah, because the thing is, is that you most wizards are depicted as old, right? Because yeah. they had to train for years, like years and years and years to even get to level one to be able to change the fabric of the universe. Mm. And the very fact is, is if you've used one of your spells for a day to go, hey, hey, saw your bottom. Yeah, but even say on necromancy, it says the erotic uses of necromancy are best left to the diseased imagination of those who think of skeletons and then snigger boner to each other. There are, are, however, two uses of necromantic spells that do not immediately reek of necrophilia. Hang on a minute, did you print this at work? Yeah. That's a risk. See the amount of tits in this? Yeah. Mate, I was just like, if they ever look at my print history, I'll just be like... I don't know what you're talking about, officer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at somebody's... Anyway, give me some more... Sorry, get, carry yeah, on. Yeah, I'll carry on. Then I'll, I'll just... Just to sort of back up the, their childish remarks or the remarks of childish use of magic. They've got a transmutation one. Obviously, they use it, you know, like similar to illusion. Because oh, you could t- turn something into a dong or whatever. Yeah, you can alter yourself to look sexier. sexier. You have uh, more that. endurance, enlarge, haste, animate rope. And then they said that the what use of... What did you use anime rope? Oh, yeah. Binding. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> How stupid yeah, it is. Heard the cogs work in your head. And then they said that, uh, you know, you can disintegrate clothing, but the use of that is somewhat childish. Speak for yourself, man. Well, if you're disintegrating your own to make yourself look really fucking rad as you're coming to the bedroom, that's not childish. That's fucking cool. Well, they've actually got some new spells for that kind of thing. Yeah! <laughs> Bring it on! Yeah. Oh yeah, look, I've just seen it. It's called Speedy Undress. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking through this now. With a word and a gesture, the target's clothes fall away from their body, leaving them, na- leaving them naked apart from the boots they're standing in. Why doesn't it do the boots? Oh, because they can't fall off. Yeah. This includes any armour, but does not include helmets, hats, or jewellery. Fantastic. 
Imagine that you would, so you just left there with a pot helm and your boots on and yeah. your fucking rings and shit. I the, like, the original I... purpose for this spell was ogling and pranks, as well as saving time when engaged in quick knee tremblers behind taverns. <laughs> it has since been misused by adventurers for denuding their targets of their armor and making them easier for kills. Oh, so it actually does have a practical yeah. use as well. See, that's what that's what they always explain as well. It's like that. I mean, I'm I'm heavily heavily focusing on all the hilarious aspects. But the, the actual practical appliances for loads of these is, so is is great. That's really cool because, like, even that is as a tiny little thing. You can be like, "Look, I know the, I know the sex wizard. Like, like I know he's a bit of a weirdo, but we really need him on side because you've seen him undress a guy in seconds flat. And if we do that, we can just stab everyone in the back. So we've got to have him along." Yeah, a lot of these are really cool. So, is there anything else interesting we should know about the book? Yeah, they've got um, a plane of lust. Um, they're saying that this plane is, uh, is says um, it is a place where lust originates. It's a place where pain and pleasure merge as one. It's the height of passion and the depths of perver- of perversity. It's only available under the counter and it comes wrapped in a plane cover. It is the spiritual equivalent of a red light district. Looks pretty deep as well, man. They've got it like is. they've got um, they've got like a template for a creature of lust. They've got like, they have it's loads of different decent. areas. They've got, yeah, in, in the Plane of Lust, basically how they do it, they've got loads of planar links. And they say that it's linked to um, every uh, to other planes very, very strongly. And they say every time someone or something gets a little bit hanky-panky in another plane, especially in the material world, a little of that energy of the plane of Lust is siphoned off and escapes into the real world. Banging. Yeah, yeah, it's wicked. They've got um, a lot of different skills and feats. I'll just go over a couple of the, of the new ones. They've got, uh, well... Obviously, they've got alchemy, concentration, and perform, but uh, the cunning feats, they've got bedroom proficiency, endurance, horn dog, and sensual magic. Horn dog. Yeah. Objects of desire. Uh, they've got some like new armor. One of them is just for flattery. It's not, it doesn't give you any additional protection. Just well, so you, it's just like to make you look nice. Yeah. Gives you a plus two in charisma. Fair enough. Uh, I love this weapon, right? Pop up pork sword. Resembling a club, the pop-up pork sword is activated by hitting a catch on the handle, at which point a 12-inch section springs out of the end and wobbles back and forth like a reasonably firm knockwurst. The pork sword acts as a plus one club, with the additional effect that anyone hit with it is affected by the, pa- by the spell power word orgasm. Now, So it's yeah. literally you smack them with a giant sausage and they're like... Ugh. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> They got great potions. They've, it's, I've done very, very well, man. They got the wondrous items as well. I think this one um, made me giggle as well. They got a carved monkey of spanking, and it's mm. a small statue that can render the user immune to spells or effects relating to sex for twenty-four hours. So, in, if someone was playing for a campaign with just this sort of uh, additional bit, like really heavily on it, they could just be like, "Well, I'm just not gonna." Not gonna participate in that, and we're like, bam. Yeah, so you just get that one out, boom. It's yeah, the man. X card. It's the ancient X card. It's banging. They got, uh, I like the creatures of lust. They've got at the um, end. They've got like a bearded clam, which is like a Venus flytrap. <laughs> colossal gay owl. Oh, I remember. I've heard about the colossal gay owl. And so- it's basically you summon this creature, and it's a, it's like exactly that. And they've even got, you know, every one of them has got some kind of combat effect. They've got creamy ooze, which is created by not cleaning up after yourself. Oh, no. They lurk in the darkness and catch and dissolve pets and animals. It's a cum monster. Yeah, pretty much. Giant crabs, one-eyed trouser snake. Many consider them 
as a pet, as they can be easily tamed, but they That's can re- spit poison. That is ridiculous. Climate um, and terrain is tropical land. You know what? The, uh, the last one in this, and I thought it was fucking amazing. I put an extract in this. The siren flower. Not the porn golem. Nah. The porn golem is basically a line of defense for those committing adultery. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It just, uh, that's, that's the way I summarized it. But it really, that's not kind of what it is. It's just the, uh, yeah. Go on. But Sorry. the siren flower, right? It's a deadly flower. Actually, no, I'll just read the extract. This is absolutely, this was like the most grotesque thing, I think, inside the thing. But it was like brutal grotesque rather than like too nasty. Mm. So it says, stimulation of the flower causes its vine-like appendages to seize hold of the creature while another part of the plant tries to stuff a seed pod about the size of a small pineapple and texture of a pine cone up their sphincter without the aid of lubricant. Oh my god. Once the seed pod is in place and the captured humanoid crushed to death, the flower wilts to awaiting next spring. The seed pod matures inside the corpse and it rots and explodes violently in the autumn, showering helicopter seeds and rotten body parts over a wide radius to take root and grow for next spring. Why? That was like the most explicit and gory aspect of it. That's foul. I thought that was so crazy amazing. Oh, I hate that it, it bloody shoves a pine cone up your butt, bum. Yeah. That's fucked up, man. But these are like the creatures of lust, mate. Some of them are fucking absolutely brutal. But you know what? If you changed very slight bits of it like that, I uh, also think Siren that, Flower. But you know what? That's usable, though, because it's it, because it's it's a one-off in a book that's otherwise yeah. um, kind of cheeky fun. Yeah. Right? But you could use the Siren of Flower. Instead of it going up your ass, it just gets shoved into your torso. Or in How your gob. That? In your yeah. gob, and then it crushes you. Yeah. Whatever. You it's know, just absolute really madness. I like it, man. I think it's a great book. I actually think I think it's funny. I think it's it uses the tropes in clever ways. I think that um, it's silly, it's cheeky. It reminds me a lot of like just it's a silly comedy and like, but it's done in sort of clever ways. I, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe people think we're really lame for liking this, but I think it's funny yeah, as shit, man. I found yeah, I found myself pleasantly surprised. I genuinely before I started reading it, just thought, oh no, man. But the only thing is, is this is usable, right? I mean, I I wouldn't necessarily base a whole campaign around this, but take take you take, could use small cantrips, use of it, sm- couldn't you? exactly, and like take one uh, build an NPC around this, right? And you've got an adventure at yeah. the very least, right? Because there could be somebody that's terrorizing people, right? What if suddenly a, a, a gust of wind to, a, a blows into the uh, scrying uh, perverts, like you know, wizard tower, and suddenly uh, in the nunnery, right, a map of all the moles on one of the nuns' buttocks turns up, and she wants to know where it's come from, right? <laughs> There's your investigation, and you've got a really, really interesting NPC who's got all of these childish wizard spells. And that's a fucking yeah. good adventure. And they're a fucking brute as well. They can be. They yeah, because they can really do all sorts of stuff. Because when you're trying to fight him, your clothes are coming off, and then he's knifing you, right? You've, you've got. Uh, there goes your and armor bonus. Like sex golems come up and try and like beat you up. They yeah. do fight you. Yeah, but you've they're also to... used for other things. Exactly, and your your <laughs> armor's turned to chocolate. You're slipping all over all around the place, right? You fucking, you know, there's cum monsters all over the place. I mean, that would be a fucking great adventure. We should you do don't one. have to use this to play it, but I actually think there's some clever stuff that's usable in your D and D campaigns. That's why I like it, man. Mm. Good stuff. Really good stuff. I'm glad we ended on that one. So it looks like that's the winner. That's the winner, man. <laughs> We've got two losers and a winner today, I think. I uh, think, anyway. I'm I mean, not jealous of your reading. I really, really, really would like to know people's opinion on She Bleeds. Gurp Sex, I think, is a definite, definite loser. That, that is a, fa- a, a, a piece of shit. But I think, yeah, let us know about the uh, She Bleeds and what you think of it. 
Next up, I've got a new segment. Jitterbug. Jitterbug. You put the boom boom into my thighs. You set me so high when you love and start. So you jitterbug into my brain. Goes a bang bang, dungeons and dragons are still oh, but something's bugging you. Celebrity RPG karaoke. So this is going to be a celebrity RPG karaoke, right? And basically, I've got a lot of um, celebrity mates, right? And so many. Well, I, I was I was just walking down the street the other day, right? And um, and uh, I bumped into my old mate Tupac Shakur. Uh, to Park Shakur, right? Me, he was just walking down the street, and I just said, "Mate, would you mind recording a quick song about an RPG, and then my mate can guess what um, what what you're singing about?" Go on. Uh, yeah. So here's the first one. Mm, mm, oh, come on, come on. Yo, I see no changes. All I see is rolling the same stuff. Tell a brother, roll Aggie, I'm a toad, you know. And a DM tell me it's a crisis, yo. And I'm at a disadvantage because I ain't watched anime. Go home to the because I don't want to play anyway. And it's a future, but it's somehow the past. I got so much Aggie, but this game ain't fast. I see no changes, mm, but that's the way it is. Put this game on blast. Yeah, come on, come on. Uh, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm. Yo, I see no changes, but that's just the way it is. That was that was two pack there. I, yeah. So I was very grateful for him coming into the studio recording that for me. Cracking bloke, crack it. Looks very different in real life. <laughs> but uh, what? So tell, tell me, what, what RPG was Tupac Shakur singing about there? Um, Savage Worlds. Uh, no, you're incorrect. He was singing about Bubblegum Crisis. Damn rapping, it. rapping, I should say. And next up, another mate of mine actually came in. Um, he actually knocked on my door. He was after. T- he was after some. Um, some hard drugs and I said to him I said to him Eminem I'm not a drug dealer how many times you're confused mate you're confused I don't sell drugs I sell podcasts <laughs> and uh, but then I said would you mind recording a quick uh, bit for me and uh, yeah so he let's see what RPG Eminem is singing about it might be similar to the last one but there's a lot of differences like what like the fact that in your genre you can't be described as gimmickless oh right and that's a problem a lot of fans of Blade Runner have with you you should never take cyberpunk and add magic, dude. <laughs> well, shut up, bitch. Because they did. And now you just have to grab it too. Bitch. You don't want to mess with this game. Why not? Because, because the, the game, game in question will fucking kill you. <laughs> you don't want to mess with this game. Because the game in question will fucking kill you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, ju- I love you. I love you, man. I ain't gonna kill you, James. <laughs> so good one from Eminem there. He's a he's one of the greats. What? DCC. No, sadly not. That was a bit of a red herring that he did at the end there. But uh, no, that was actually Shadow Run. Fuck. See where he said about um, adding magic to cyberpunk. Oh, that was that was the clue. I missed that it. I missed it. The last Mate, one's... I'm sucking ass at this. The l- you are sucking ass. The l- the- no, but the last one is um, actually quite difficult because um, a couple of my um, non non English speaking friends came in to the uh, to the studio. Um, they were just by- coming by on their tour. Their tour bus broke down outside. I said, "Come in, guys. I got I got a few cups of tea." Um, and Ramstein came in. Oh, nice. 
And um, yeah, they, they came in, recorded a quick tune for me. Uh, here we go. See if you can guess. Es ist eine Rollenspiel von Hasbro. Und es ist wirklich schlecht. Es ist ein von Comedy entworfenes Wort. Es ist eine elegante Wollmilchsau. Es ist ein Fantasiespiel, das berühmt ist. Ich habe es einmal gerochen, es roch nach Müllkippe. Ramstein there. Stand up, guys. Stand up, guys. Mate. There's a couple of keywords in there that I think you might that might clue you in as to which one this is. But I've got to be honest, that one was a bit hard when I, I mean, Ramstein recorded it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, ah, ah. Um, um, um. Wait, 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 wait. Also, their pronunciation was a bit off. I'm not sure why. I think they might have been drinking. Hopefully. Hopefully. Fuck, man, I don't know. Um, It was, I'm going to say... Pathfinder. No, it was um Dungeons and Dragons. Oh. Yeah, he was being... Uh, was close. Yeah, you were close, honestly. But it was basically, um one of the lines in it is, um, it's a role-playing game, the worst one, or something like this. I can't remember what they wrote and sent to their friend who speaks German to translate. I don't know why they would do that, but point is, is that it was something along the lines of um, <laughs> this is a, um, a, a role-playing game from Hasbro. It's one of the worst ones. It's a horse designed by committee. It's like lo- loads of insulting things about D&D. So suck my dick. Anyone that likes D&D, ah, I mean their dick, because they were insulting. I love D&D. Ramstein, what are you on, man? How dare you? <laughs> man, that was great. <laughs> so, yeah. I didn't even get one. Didn't get one. No points. You're fired. Nil point. Ooh, Ramstein are going to be annoyed. You know what? They, they've got a history of violent crime. That is not true. Okay, next up, we're going to go on to Electro Letters. In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the Electro Letter. All right, so here we are in Electro Letters, everybody. And this week, we asked for your weirdest and most bizarre stories from your RPG experiences. And uh, you guys delivered, man. So, um, first up, Kira Tarokio, she comes in. We were playing Traveller, and one of the characters stumbled upon a shady drug deal. He tried to buy some drugs, but the dealers were not interested in selling to the shirtless weirdo rubbing his nipples. <laughs> Very on on theme here. They shot at him, hit his nipple, which is now falling off. So this character goes to see Dr. Ron Jeremy, also on theme, to get it it sewn back on. During this process, he somehow ends up with a third nipple on his forehead. What? What fucking kind of doctor was that? What fucking crazy... Mate. She did attach a picture to this as well, and it was a gif of somebody rubbing their nipples. Oh, nice. I don't know what the fuck was going on in that game. That is nuts. That does sound pretty nuts, though. Conrad Erasmus Neubert. He says, weird stuff. Role-playing an insane NPC. I got so deep into character, my friends got scared of me. 
Oh no. Uh-oh. Oh no. I was having a blast talking and laughing very cinematically insane. I think I went a bit too far in. I was sweating and trembling. <laughs> yes. What the fuck was he doing? No, you know, I I was I went a bit too far and I actually murdered someone. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't say that. Now I want now I now I know what method actors feel like. It was a horror game, but the players were RPG newbies, so they probably didn't expect that. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, they, they, he says he says they tone they told me and I toned it down, which was surprisingly easy to do well. One day I one day I'll do a character like that again, but I'll, I'll need previous consent and an X card on the table to make sure everybody stays okay while Mister Hyde is coming out. May ah oh, Conrad, I'd love to see that. Yeah, that would be horrible, man. I, I think it's funny, though, because he, I like the fact that he got so deep into character and it was with all newbies. Imagine if you're sitting around that table and you just you think, yeah, oh, this is just person. this is basically like a board game, but with choices. And then this guy's just like, <laughs> and you're just like, <laughs> no. And he's just like, he just turns up with fucking like pig blood on him. And he's just like, he's like biting people's faces off. <laughs> he's just like, well, I'm in character, man. Mate, I'd love to see that. We got one from Timothy Peer. Well, during an old D&D 2E game I was in a few years back, my character, a human fighter named Terry, don't know why I'm doing it in that voice, who I'd built towards an unarmed combat, had drunk an unknown potion. And the next day when he woke up, he had a goat head. (laughs) I'm assuming that was attached to his body, not just next to him in the bed. This was not an issue until we got back to civilization a week later. The party, once being a part of a small travelling circus, performed an interpretive dance at the local alehouse to explain my condition. Due to good roles, the audience was crying out of sorrow for Terry and accepted him. That, that, that's good, though, man. We know we know a lot about that, though, because we've been playing Gen Lab recently. Yeah. And there, every time you use one of your animal powers, so, like, let's say, for example, you're a frog and you you pick jump as one of your powers, so you can mm. jump immensely high, you have to roll on a D6, and a result of a 1 on that D6 can mean that you can't speak for five days of in-game time. Yeah. We've done a lot, a done lot a loads. of we interpretive actually... dancing. <laughs> We had to write off a character at one point because they were too fucked. Yeah, because he lost the ability to talk, use tools, to walk. Yeah, he couldn't to see out of one eye. He couldn't do anything, and the and the thing was, he had to be healed in X amount of time. Um, but even after that, he would have suffered all these consequences, and I don't think anyone could heal him at that point. But yeah, let me tell you, man, we know a lot about non-verbal communication. We've, we we had three characters at one point that couldn't talk on the table, and it was... It was interesting, to it was say hell. the least. It was hell. Owen Lean, he says, here we go. So right. in the last year of LARPs I'm running, I decided to bring out a seriously powerful adversary for the players. So who turns up to a game? Only bloody Dracula. <laughs> Hey guys, I'm here to LARP. (laughs) I love LARPing, man. Hey, what are we playing? Like some fantasy shit or uh, what? (laughs) The plan was he would be a major antagonist and probably kill several players. Not characters, (laughs) but players. Fuck, man, you don't do that. (laughs) So it was actually Dracula and he was actually there to kill players. However, within five minutes of him turning up, one of the players suggested to him a business deal involving him making blood banks so the big D and his mates could feed without any of the messy murdering business. What is this story, man? What? Long story short, the idea worked, and the player created a huge Dracula franchise, including Dracman comics, Dracland theme, and Dracula's secret lingerie catalogue. Dracula became a big ally to the player characters, as he realised all he really wanted was to be popular. So that was weird. Right. 
all jokes aside, that is fucking funny. <laughs> that is. That is. That so is don't, I'm, I'm assuming that was a Vampire the Masquerade LARP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It must have been. And Dracula's all he's ever wanted was just to be included in stuff. He's like, everyone talks about Kane all the time, but why not me? I was the I was the original one. I was the <laughs> best one in all the books. Daniel Irwin. Not sure how weird this. Not ha- not sure how weird this counts, but in a fantasy game a few years back, the players found themselves in a place where the dead were domesticated and befriended a skeleton called Bob who joined the party as an NPC. They later found themselves in a sticky spot, and rather than fight their way out, one of the characters suddenly turned to the skeleton and started playing his ribcage like a xylophone, completely distracting the bad guys and letting them slope off. Bob was not happy about this. It, it <laughs> saved them, dude. Yeah. It saved them. Poor Bob, man. Poor Just Bob being used like an instrument. Imagine if you got played like a set of bagpipes. I mean, where would they blow into, first of all? Well. That's the that's the awkward part. Gurp sex. <laughs> Stop blowing on that. <laughs> <laughs> so Katie Sharman comes in. She said, Hawkus fucking off. Too real. So what she is referring to there is when we played Lankmar together. Mm-hmm. And her character was... One of the, her main parts of her character was that it's based on the fact that she had a pet hawk. And yeah. she took knowledge hawkery or whatever the equivalent is to like falconry. But she took hawkery and had like really high level of hawking. Hawking or whatever it is, right? First time she ever tried to use it, rolled crit failed and her hawk buggered off. Oh, yeah. And she even went to the shops to buy the hawk and that during yeah. the game. And yeah. like was just like, yeah, I'll get this fucking rad ass hawk. Yeah, call him Hawkus. He's he's like the main main point about my character. And then she was like, go, my pretty. And then rolls double ones, right? Snake yeah. eyes. And was and the thing was just like, ah! and just fucked off. <laughs> it was like, yeah, this this thing doesn't like you at all. Um, so Terry Hansen, he comes in with a pretty funny one at the end. One time I was picking up my roommate from work. It was around midnight and she still had some work to finish up. So I was waiting out front in my car. Now her work was in a part of Salt Lake City known for an accumulation of prostitutes. I'm just sitting in my car and then all of a sudden my passenger side door opens and there's a lady sitting in my front seat. Now when I say a lady, I mean a very haggard woman that did not display any socially constructed ideals of beauty. (laughs) I stare at her in disbelief and shout, what are you doing? She replied in her own confused tone, I thought you were giving me a ride. I replied, no, I'm waiting to give my friend a ride home from work. Now get the hell out of my car. She got out of my car, muttering to herself in anger. I promptly locked my car's doors as I watched her disappear around the corner into the night. That was not strictly RPG related there, Terry, but thanks... Thanks for that. That's pretty good. It's a good story. It's a good tale. It's a good story, but I I don't know what's wrong with you. So, cheers for that. I don't... Cheers, buddy. I d- okay, so, you know, that was some, some very strange stories, some strange tales from people's RPG games. Those were awesome. Thank you very much for sending them in. James, do you have a weird one? Um. So, I was with Nick and Peter, and Peter was running us through Darren Tales' uh, Space Lanes. And... Um, I was playing this dude who was really sort of arrogant and thought of himself as like one of the sexiest beings on the planet ever. And then I was trying to swoo this barmaid uh, to get her on our side and to help us, you know, scope out the pub where we're going to find a drop go on and steal the money, etc., etc. So it all gets sort of out of hand and I managed to get her back to the ship for a bit using the teleportation device. And then Pete tries to, um, he goes, right, fine, roll to perform well. 
Um, but he admitted to me that he was really, really trying to um, trip me up and make me fail because every role that I did was successful. So the weirdest part of it was not only that, you know, we, we, we kept it very unexplicit, but the weirdest part of it was not only did I keep having to hear Peter being like, yep, you showed her a good time, you know, you've, you've performed well, she's suitably satisfied and all this stuff. But the amount of times... Because he was trying to have me fail just once, just so at the end of it she could be dissatisfied. Yeah, and so he kept, like, he kept on getting you to roll over and over yeah, again, didn't and he? It was, it was like, like eight times. And it was just like, I'm not done. He's like, no, mate, not done yet. You're going in for the long haul. And I'm just like, fucking hell, Pete. Like, can we get out of this yet? I've got a similar one, actually, because I remember once we, we were playing Wise Guys, right, which is a gangster game. And it's funny because we had this whole storyline start off with, like, like with us, uh, you know, playing fairly normal gangster game, there was a, there was a situation where we co- basically conned this kid out of money. We all started fighting over it, blah blah blah. Anyway, a new storyline starts up, and it's about I can't remember why, but we had to go and meet this dude in the desert because the whole thing's set in Vegas. I think it's Vegas, but yeah, we had to go mm. out into the desert and meet this dude um, who was an explosives expert, right? Because there had been some explosives used on somebody. And we go out to meet him, and uh, one of the guys that we were playing with, right, Alan, he'd just made a new character who was a midget um, uh, porn producer. <laughs> and he his character was just so off the rails and nuts. And we go into this, um, uh, go into this, like, like, caravan out in the middle of the desert where th- they, um, like, try to interrogate the guy the guy legs it out the back instead of chasing after him like like gary's character who's this like pill popping drug addict um performer in vegas <laughs> and then the midget porn producer start um snorting snorting coke and he, he's snorting coke out of the bum crack of gary's character what? and it was just it was horrible and, and like this is all we can hear and it's just like <laughs> and then just like they started having sex and it was just like badoof, badoof, badoof. and we and were like it must have gone on for like maybe an hour like this scene they just kept on it kept on getting worse and worse and worse and worse like the stuff they were doing and then I, I was just like mate this has to end it has to end <laughs> it was like disgusting man so yeah that was that was a pretty pretty f- fucking weird situation with the midget and the performer yeah good times I don't think you're allowed to say midget anymore but I did sorry um so yeah we got some general questions right and eric he says uh, i'm about to start a new campaign with my stepson and his girlfriend he's a veteran but she's never played an rpg to help her and because it's a small group i want to introduce an npc ally he's a torchbearer and an aide to camp i imagine this character looks like nick frost and he's always thinking about the next meal he'll prepare for them sometimes he thinks out loud at the most inopportune times like when they're about to sneak up on somebody or in the midst of a battle he'll often stop to gather ingredients and delay them could you suggest a good name for the character and other role-playing tips or quirks so I had a little thing about this before the podcast, right? The way that I, in, in which I think that to introduce a good NPC ally, if you want to get a person into the game and start to um, kind of get them to sympathise with the world, um, it just in my opinion, I think this character sounds like a good one, right? Uh, or a good, he, he's more of a puzzle than a helpful NPC, right? Because he's going to create problems. I guess that's what you're going for. If you want to create a good NPC ally that will help your you know, a new player get into the world and sympathise with it and and try to see the NPCs as real people, make that person uh, more helpful rather than a hindrance is the first role playing tip that I would give. The thinking out loud at the inopportune times thing, maybe keep that as a 
as a um, thing. But have this guy, when he's gathering the ingredients, um, I would often uh, I'll make it so that he can um, heal them for wounds. If you're doing Savage Worlds, give him a higher healing skill. And make it so that he can he can heal the girl, or uh, yeah, so he can he can do that. As for a role playing tip or quirk, I think you pretty much got it there, because it seems like he's uh, very naive, and the reason he'd be travelling around with two people rather than um, kind of in a city being a squire for some big knight or something like this, it's probably because he sounds like a bit of a bumbling fuck. <laughs> yeah. So I think the whole thing of like where he thinks out loud at the inopportune times and uh, says things while people are trying to sneak up, you, you've pretty much got it down. But one of the things I will say is that like if you've got like a character that's a bit bit of a bumbler, um, just yeah. try to have him learn as as the game goes on, and that he wants to. It sounds to me like this guy wants to please. So, yeah, because I think I think it's a very good idea in what you're trying to do there. I, I think you're kind of trying to teach the new person at the table and how to evolve a character and how to play them and such. But I agree. I think you should focus more on the helpful aspects just for that um, player at the beginning until they start to come out of their shell. Then you can slowly introduce sort of the, the hindrance and inopportune moments and show how that person deals with it. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, because then you've got you've got something that anchors them to this world that sees the people as real people. Um, as for a name for the character, what I think if that can be really cool if you want to make the the name memorable and to try to make this person immediately recognisable and like something they're going to remember, give them a nickname because people always had nicknames, especially if you're playing a fantasy game, which I'm fairly certain he is because he remembered he says torchbearer and things like this. Mm. Fairly certain that they said they're going to be playing something based on like Skyrim or something like this and it might be hell for us so it was a fantasy game people in medieval settings always had nicknames and something like this so something like Bungo the Fat or something like that you know what I mean like yeah he's, something he's, really obvious like like he's been like he's been banished because he's a bit shit like nobody wants him around like he's he's the he's like this torchbearer nobody wants Sad Sacks Samson often they'll have like nicknames or something like this and I think that that'll help uh, help the players in New York to, to like this person and, and like immediately remember their name rather than calling Maleficus the Fair Flair for the new live I actually prefer that but yeah and then we got one in from Conrad Erasmus Neubert he says do you do character voices in home games that you don't record Harrison mentioned once that he does but do James and Nick do these too 100% all the time as much as possible yeah we always do man we don't like not because it's an easy separation of when the character and the player is speaking. And we, a lot of the time, house rule at the table, said it, done it. And there's really funny moments, but it all makes sense because we're getting caught up in the hype where well, some things may happen in night. It represents your character impulsively doing something. Yeah, and yeah you... so like we do something in a character voice by accident because we're so excited and it's just like, right, well, you said it. And you've done it. Yeah, because it'll be like, if your character, if you're saying something in a character voice, that's your character doing it in the universe. So if you go, yes, and that's your character's voice, everyone in the bar suddenly turns at you shouting, yes. Yeah, and it's just like, ah, I mean, I Um, didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Bye. And you're running out there with a sack of gold in your hand. I mean, this actually (laughs) happened once. It's good. No, we love it. We really, really love it. We think voices, it helps um, mould 
and envision the character as well. Yeah, it helps you play them and it helps everyone else understand them. It's immersive, but it's also a tool for knowing when somebody's speaking in and out of character without having to bloody say it. And I hate it when you sit at tables and somebody goes, um, hang on, one second, out of character, I just want to say, and, and otherwise you can just go, yeah, I'm going to kill the cunt. And then uh, and then they, then the person could just speak in their normal voice and go, yeah, right, I just want to um, use my short sword to stab him. And then that way, it's way simpler. Yeah, you could be like, I'm going to stab him right in the bejewels. And then like that's in character, but you could be like, oh, how much damage does the sword do? Yeah, exactly. Because you go, so much. If you went, how much damage does the sword do? Then the, and then the barkeeper's go, looking at you like, sorry. <laughs> uh, the barkeeper turns <laughs> well, around to an exclamation. Well, they're usually quite deadly, sir. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's it for questions this time, man. Wow, what a long show! What a long show! Long show! Long thing. So thank you so much for listening. Let's go on to the outro now. So that's it for another show. If you want to get in contact with us, we've got all sorts of ways to do that. We've got an email address, 3trpgpod at gmail.com. And we're on all the social medias, from MeWe to Facebook to all of that stuff. So get on all of it, Twitter. And we want to just say a big thank you to Saving the Game, the best Christian RPG podcast out there. They they, they saved us. No, we shouldn't joke about this. But point is, is that they're a great podcast. It, it, they don't shove the, the, the Christianity into your face. They do really, really cool segments where they take Bible characters and, uh, yeah, tell you how to make them in the game. They also so cool. have... They also have... Uh, they're going through the uh, Ten Commandments at the moment and uh, applying those in RPG context. <laughs> nice. Right, it's, it's a it's a cracking podcast, right? And they did, they just did one about how to play characters with mental health issues as well. And it's just, oh, that's nice. just That's just a handy podcast. Yeah, man. yeah. So yeah, it's a cracking podcast. Check that out because they shared us, so I'm sharing them now. Next of all, um, I want to talk, talk about Savage Con. Hello. So that's coming up, man. April 13th and 14th. We've got very, very few spaces left. So if you haven't bought your ticket and signed up yet, do it bloody now. Because if you're going to turn up on a day and they're in space for you, well, <laughs> well, we try to fit you in, of course, because we're very welcoming. Um, <laughs> however, um, yeah, get on there now because we've run out of space, dudes, and there are some cracking games. We've got Rippers. We got Deadlands Noir. We got Whacked in the Wicket, right? We got all sorts of goddamn games there. I'm running Frozen Skies. It is going to be the most nutty game on the planet. Sean's running uh, Blackwood. He's doing the Blackwood. Yeah, we got we got so much shit, man. So uh, yeah, that's it, man. Come to SavageCon. It's the world's uh, the UK's. It's the UK's only Savage Worlds convention. Yeah, there's a couple GM slots to fill up, and therefore a few more player slots. Actually, there's only one GM slot to fill up now. Is there? Yep. They've all been taken, man. So we've got one more GM slot and we've got a couple of player slots to fill up. So yeah, uh, get on that. And uh, it's only £10 a ticket. It's in Red Hill, UK. And it is a lovely town. <laughs> so I can't, I can't say that with any seriousness. But, Wait, the, but the venue Richard, is amazing and you, you're going to love it. Richard Walcott came here last year. Yeah, he did. And this year we got Owen Lean, writer for Deadlands. He's just written a new new fiction for Deadlands. we got Connor Warden, one of the best GMs on the planet. We've got me. I'm there, right? Celebrity, right? Yeah, big big shot. No, James, nobody cares about you. Yeah. Um, so next... Yeah, I do. So that is it for another episode of the 3T RPG podcast. We will see you next time. And remember, D20s are cool, but 20Ds, now that's a good time. Yeah.